You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 262. How do we deal with the storms of life? Part 2. So if you're with us last week, you know that we started um, just this two-part episode, or this two-part series, dealing with the storms of life. And what what I told you was I, I definitely want to bring encouragement. Um, I'm recording this during the uh, coronavirus pandemic, and you know we're all quarantined, and you know we're not supposed to leave the house unless it's for something essential. But you know, as we're going through this, this is a storm of life. Some people are really struggling. Some people are struggling physically. People have lost their lives. So in in some cases, there's that, and there you know maybe loved ones are sick, or um, this has affected people financially. People are out of work, or, or their hours have been drastically cut back. Um, and just the the idea of having to be cooped up in the house or or having to work from home and manage working and, and, and taking care of your small kids. There's a lot of there's a lot of variables here. People in other parts of the world are struggling to to find enough to eat. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot going on. This is a definite storm of life. And so what I said was that we were gonna, you know, go through and, and I'm gonna show you, I'm essentially showing you how to do a thematic or a topical Bible study. And a thematic or a topical Bible study is where you take a particular topic, in this case we're talking about storms, and we trace it through the entire Bible or the Old Testament or the New Testament. In this case, we're we're looking at four storms that are found in the New Testament and how the people that were affected dealt with each one. So that's kind of how we're we're doing this study. And uh, last week, just to give you a quick, quick recap, uh, last week we talked first of all about the storm where uh, from Mark chapter 4 where Jesus is asleep in the boat as the, the storm breaks out on the Sea of Galilee. Um, the disciples were scared they were going to drown. We, we commented the fact that uh, you know it's always interesting when the experienced boatmen, the fishermen, feel like they've got to go to the carpenter and ask for help. Um, when their boat's sinking, but that just tells you what the their, their understanding. They understood that Jesus was someone special. So in that storm, we saw Jesus speak to it and calm it. Um, that was you know really kind of our, our our big takeaway from that. You know sometimes you have to speak to that mountain that's in your path and tell it to get out of the way. And also the fact that Jesus is with us in the boat. The second one we looked at was from Matthew 14. This is the one where the disciples were by themselves. Jesus was not with them in the boat. And he came walking to them at the peak of the storm and uh, to calm their fears. And the, the interesting thing here is Peter says, hey, I want to come walk on the water too. And so he begins to walk on the water with Jesus. And in this case, we talked about... Um, the fact that we're more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Sometimes, you know, we're meant to walk on the water 
We're meant to walk over this storm. We're meant to, um, you know, be more than conquerors. And, and the fact that even though it may not feel like God's with us during the storm, um, He is there. He's listening. He's watching, as we saw in this story. And He showed up at just the right time. All right, don't go away. That was just a quick recap on what we talked about last week. We're going to talk about two more storms, but I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Reflections on the Resurrection. You know, we're approaching Easter. It's just a couple of weeks away, and you know, what's what's amazing is in America, and probably throughout most of the world, churches will not be able to hold services this Easter season because of the virus, because of the quarantines, because of the um, government regulations. um, Churches are not able to meet. And this is the first time in forever, maybe, since Jesus rose from the dead, that churches are not going to be able to meet and celebrate um, this Easter Sunday. So this book, Reflections on the Resurrection, you know, if if you're not able to go to church, if you're not able to meet, or... um, you know, this is a time of the year. This is, in fact, this is the most important time of year for Christians um, to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is not dead. Whether there's a virus sweeping the world or there's some other crisis in the world, it doesn't matter. Jesus is Lord, and He's alive and, and, and risen from the dead. And so Reflections on the Resurrection is a book I wrote a few years ago. Um, it's been very popular. It's a great, great book to prepare your heart and to prepare your mind for Easter Sunday, whether you're able to go to church or not. This is a great book for individual study, for group study. Uh, It's really going to help you. It's designed to be educational. It's designed to be apologetic in the sense we examine the arguments that are often used against the resurrection And it's also devotional. It's designed to draw you closer to God and to help you appreciate what the resurrection has done for us. So check out Reflections on the Resurrection. There'll be a link in the show notes. You can click on it and even read a little bit and see if this is something you might enjoy. Well, all right. We recapped, and now we're ready to jump into the other two storms. The first two we talked about were from the Gospels. Now we're going to move to Acts, and we're going to be in Acts 27, and I'm just going to recap this storm. And if you've never read the book of Acts, it is one of the most exciting books in the Bible. And uh, the, the, the end of the book, Paul has been, give you the context, Paul has been arrested. He has appealed to Caesar to have his case heard. And now he's being transported to Rome by a Roman soldier, actually probably a contingent of Roman soldiers, He's being transported to Rome where he can stand trial for his alleged crimes. And of course, travel in the first century was very difficult. They couldn't just hop on a plane or, or whatever. And even the boats then were, were, were you know, suspects sometimes. And in this case, um, the, the story tells us that there's over 200 people crammed onto this boat. They're on their way across the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. And a storm breaks out and almost kills everyone on the boat. And just to read a few verses, just to give you a little taste of it, it says, Now the south, when the south wind blew gently, 
Um, we suppose that they, the, the sailors suppose that they had obtained their purpose, and they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the northeaster struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to steer the to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they might run aground on Sirtis, they lowered the gear and were being driven along. Since they were, we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. So you get the feel. Luke was actually part of this. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, was actually a part of this. He was an eyewitness. He actually refers to himself here in the first person. We, um, I, whatever. So, so it's a it's it's a it's a situation that he was a part of, and you you get a feel for his fear, for his concern. Um, you know, and even two weeks, this has been going on. Um, you know, many days, and then. You know, we find out for two weeks that, uh, you know, this has been, you know, this storm has been assailing the ship. And the Apostle Paul is the man who's already, he told him ahead of time. He said, look, guys, I don't feel good about this. I, I sense that this is going to be dangerous. But, of course, they didn't listen to him. He's a prisoner for crying out loud. Why would they listen to him? And yet it happens just as exactly as he said it was going to be. So, just to give you a couple more verses here, Paul eventually, after a number of days, he stands up and says, Men, you should have listened to me, but now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. So eventually it's about two, two and a half weeks of being driven through this storm before it happens exactly as Paul says. They, uh, they hit a, a, a reef. The, the ship is shattered, they, they come ashore on an island, and that's where they stay until they're able to catch another ship to take them to Rome. But what's fascinating about this story is what happens with Paul. Look, ships being um, lost at sea, this is not a new thing. Um, the Mediterranean, you know, if we went to the bottom of the Mediterranean, there's probably remains from, from hundreds of years back. Um, but here we see Paul going through this storm. Notice that he didn't speak to the storm and calm it down. He didn't get out and walk on the water. No, in this case, they had to go through the storm. And it wasn't a quick storm. It wasn't like it was an afternoon and it was over. I mean, it was over two weeks that they went through this storm thinking they were going to die. And yet during this storm, God reassured his servant, no, 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 I am going to protect you. You have a mission. You're not done yet. And 
And what I love, too, is the line where it says, God has also granted you all those who sail with you. You know, we will go through storms in life, and there are some storms that we just have to go through. Right now, that's what this virus thing that we're all dealing with looks like. It looks like one of those storms that we're just going to have to go through and ride it out. It doesn't mean I'm not praying every single day that God would stop it. I'm praying every single day that God would stop the people dying, that this thing would go away. Um, but God knows what's going on, and, and it looks like we have to just kind of ride this thing through. And there's other storms that you go through in life that you just have to ride it out. But while we're riding it out, where's our faith? While we're riding it out, who are we trusting in? While we're riding through this storm, who, who are we putting our faith and trust in? And, and Paul was content. I mean, if he died, he died. He wasn't, he wasn't worried. He knew that God was going to take care of him. And graciously, God even promised the lives of those who sailed with him. And this verse is so telling to me because how many times um, in your life are you the only Christian, the only person of faith in a particular situation? You might be the only Christian in your office. You might be the only Christian in your classroom. You might be the only Christian in your family. And yet Paul, you know, the promise God gave Paul, I believe, is for us too. He's graciously um, granted all those who sail with us. What does this mean? This means I believe we can pray for those that, that are going through this with us. We can pray for those family members. We can pray for those we work with. And we can believe that God will touch them too. I recently was talking to somebody um, who who had uh, uh, had several friends, family, whatever, loved ones pass away from various things over the last couple of years, and and they were talking about how traumatic it was. But when a, a family member of ours passed away recently, uh, my wife's mother, um, this particular family member said for the first time in their lives they saw someone who was ready to die, someone who was at peace. They had spoken to my mother-in-law. They had talked to him, and, and they saw that she was so peaceful. She was so calm. She wasn't worried about the afterlife. She, she had put her faith in Jesus, and she knew that he was going to take her right on out of this life, right through this storm. And, you know, this person, this really had an impact on them because they're not a believer, and they were touched. They were impacted. Their life, um, you know, their, their worldview was shaken up a little bit. And, and for us, we have to just realize sometimes we will go through the storm, but God is going to be with us as we go through the storm. So if you haven't read this in Acts, by all means, read it. It's a, it's a very, very powerful story. And then number four, the last storm that we're going to look at is from Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's Jesus really giving the, the, the manifesto of the kingdom of God. How should we live if we belong to God's kingdom, if we're part of God's family? And as he's wrapping up these three chapters of teaching, he says, he says this. He wraps it up with these verses. This is the end of Matthew 7. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell... And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against it, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So we see the contrast here of two men building houses. One man built his house and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the storm came and beat on the house, the house didn't move. And then there was the foolish man. He didn't build his house on the rock. He just built it on the sand, and he had no good foundation. And when the storm came, his house collapsed. And of course, that foundation, Jesus said, is everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. He'll be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. So the question is, when we're talking about this storm, this last storm, the question is, what are we building our lives on? What are we establishing? What are we, um, how are we laying the foundation of our lives? Um, there's a lot of things we can build on. We can build on our own you know, philosophy, wisdom, our own good looks, our own talent, um, our own finances, you know, our own pedigree. We can build on a lot of things, but Jesus says that everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is going to be like the wise man. And so I think there's such wisdom in building our lives on the foundation of God's Word. And that's really the way to, to, to handle the storms of life. So what does this mean? This means we take God's Word inside of us, and we don't just hear it, we don't just read it, we don't just go hear it preached, but we begin to apply it in our lives. We apply the principles in our lives, the principles of God's Word in the area of our relationships, in the area of our finances, in the area of our morals um, and our ethics. Um, pretty much anything you can think about, there's something in God's Word that's got application to it. So when we begin to apply that in our lives, then when these storms come, and of course they're going to come, um, you know, becoming a Christian doesn't mean there's no storms, but we're going to be able to hold up our foundation. Our house is going to hold up. The roof is not going to collapse. The, the walls aren't going to fall in because we've established ourselves. We've built our house on the foundation of God's Word. So, friends, I hope this encourages you as you deal with whatever it is that you're dealing with. If you're listening to this now and, and, and you know, the, the coronavirus, take heart. You know, um, build your life on the foundation of God's Word. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. This thing will go away. Um, God's going to get the victory. People's lives are, are going to be touched for good. I think the long-term benefits of this is we're going to see so many people come to faith because their, their hearts have been turned to God during this difficult time. Um, whenever churches can meet again, they're going to be full. They're going to be packed. They're going to be overflowing with people looking for something. And, uh, and, and, and really, it comes, comes back to this. Let's make sure we, we encourage them to build their lives on God's Word. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. Um, I would encourage you to go to davidspell.com. Uh, check it out. There's a lot of other great resources there. While you're at my website, make sure you drop your email address in so we can stay in touch. And, uh, you know, it's just a, it's, a, it's a great way for us to stay connected because I do send out my content weekly. And uh, it's a great way for us to stay in touch. Well, thanks for being with me. And until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to weather the storm.